Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, YA is sponsored by Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge. Book Riot's annual challenge is back. Once again, Read Harder 2020 has 24 tasks designed to help you break out of your reading bubble and expand your worldview through books. With new genres, new authors, and new points of view, this challenge will hopefully help you discover amazing books you wouldn't have otherwise picked up. Read historical fiction that's not about World War II, a retelling of a classic or fairy tale, horror from an indie press, and more in this year's challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharder to get the full challenge task list and to check the prizing for those who complete the challenge with a bonus prize this year. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We are recording on Thursday, January 16th, 2020. Hi, Eric. Oh my goodness. I just noticed that this is episode 60. Right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Where Where does the time go? To talking about books. It does. It does. (laughs) Oh, so I have to, like, brag about something I figured out. Um, Yeah, I know. And um, I finally figured out a consistent reading routine. And as dumb as that sounds, it feels so good. So, like, I used to just read whenever I could, which is fine. um, But I would find myself sometimes not as interested in a book because my mind was on 20 million other things. And so I was like, I need to figure out how to get reading to be consistent in my days. And as somebody who's up early in the morning, I realized that it was as simple as setting limits on when I turn my computer on. So mm. like, yeah, um, I get up really early and um, decided that like, I will not touch my computer until seven o'clock, which means I get like two hours of time to enjoy a cup of tea, to do like my morning routine stuff. And then I have over an hour to do nothing but read. And it's amazing. Like it's uninterrupted. And I have read so many books and I feel like I'm reading them a little bit more closely because nothing is grabbing for my attention. Um, It's wonderful. I love it. I love it so much. That is amazing. I, yeah, I, I need to come up with a better routine. It, it just, <laughs> uh, it's definitely just read whenever I can, mm-hmm. um, while trying to avoid watching whatever, you know, fun reality shows on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, lately I'm kind of obsessed with the circle and I need to, I need to step back and, 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 you know, and read. And it's not circle, it's not the circle, of the book. It is the, the, the Netflix show. Um, <laughs> yeah, cause like my arc shelf is just, just piling up and piling up. So. Yes, I'm choosing when you turn on your computer. That that's good. Yeah, it's 
it's different. Like I'm so used to always just being on and being able to answer things. And then I was like, what if I just don't like nobody needs me at six yeah. in the morning, you know, like it's hard to to think that, but it's also true. Like I'm the only weirdo who's up at four 30 in the morning, like ready and raring to go. It's like, I should use that time for me instead of, you know, anything else. So I like that. Yeah. I, yeah okay. What else is fun that's going on? Uh, Oh, our new extra credit episode. Uh, they're starting to hit now. Um, I guess, listeners, if you didn't listen to the last episode, you can hear me and Phil Stamper, author of The Gravity of Us, rambling about the walls <laughs> around us. Um, an eternal favorite of, of me and Kelly here. Um, I feel like we spent, like, we spent that episode like a solid half hour of us, like, trying to unpack that novel. Um, which I think you could do with anybody that you've read that book with. Like, mm-hmm. is it a, is it a horror novel? Is it, <laughs> is it a fantasy novel? Is it really a ghost story? What is going? There's so much. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I just recorded my first extra credit episode, uh, book discussion this morning, and it was so much fun. And I picked, uh, I didn't pick, my guest picked a short book, and we juiced like half an hour out of it and could have talked an hour more easily. So I can only imagine how hard it was to condense everything you wanted to talk about with the walls around us into half an hour. Oh yeah, it was, it was a challenge, but, but a lot of fun. And <laughs> yeah, I'm liking these, I'm liking these episodes. I, I have like, Two more in the queue where it's going to be, it's going to be fun. I hope everyone likes them. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Like, even from the recording perspective, it's like, all right, talking about books with somebody totally different is yeah. is different and fun and lets you explore things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. Mm-hmm. Let's hit our first sponsor, which today is Black Girl Unlimited, written and read by Echo Brown and Macmillan Audio. Heavily autobiographical and infused with magical realism, Black Girl Unlimited fearlessly explores the intersections of poverty, sexual violence, depression, racism, and sexism. All through the arc of a transcendent coming-of-age story for fans of Renee Watson's Piecing Me Together in Ibby Savoy's American Street. Echo Brown is a wizard from the east side where apartments are small and parents suffer addictions to the white rocks. Yet there is magic everywhere. New portals begin to open when Echo transfers to the rich school on the west side and an insightful teacher becomes a pivotal mentor. Each day, Echo travels between two worlds, leaving her brothers, her friends, and a piece of herself behind on the east side. There are dangers to leaving behind the place that made you, and Echo soon realizes there is pain flowing through everyone around her, and a black veil of depression threatens to undo everything she's worked for. You can buy the audiobook edition of Black Girl Unlimited, read and written by Echo Brown now, wherever audiobooks are sold. And I'm just going to say, I read this one, and it was fantastic. Um, And I can only imagine how good it is on audio. Yeah. And some of those authors that are listed in that ad we are going to talk about today. Yeah. So this was totally unintentional that like our plan for what we wanted to discuss today uh, happened to also be our pre-roll sponsor, which is Read Harder. <laughs> these these were not related events at all. Um, but we wanted to dig into some YA books that you could read for the Read Harder Challenge. Um, and whether or not you are doing the challenge formally, informally, not at all, uh, just consider these some good book recommendations. So something worth noting is that some of the categories don't lend themselves really nicely to YA titles, such as the picture book featuring Mm -hmm. a human character from a marginalized background task or a middle grade book set somewhere that's not the US or UK task. So um, we're trying our best. We're not going to hit all 24 tasks. Um, That that would make this episode 12 hours long. (laughs) But we're going to give you a bunch of books that fit one category or sometimes fit multiple categories at once. 
Yeah, and some of them will be a little more rapid fire because we can't describe every single one. Uh, yeah. No two-hour show. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so the very first task of Reed Harder is a YA nonfiction book, which this is an easy one for mm-hmm. coming up with a YA book for it. Um, and I, I'll hit it first. This is a book I just finished this week. It's The Rise and Fall of Charles Lindbergh by Candace Fleming. It's out February 11th, so you only have to wait like two weeks um, after you hear this episode. And um, – this was such a fascinating book. I know very little about Charles Lindbergh, knew very little about him, I should say. Like, I knew he had something to do with flight and also the Lindbergh baby. I didn't know what either of those meant more than, like, what I just said there. Um, but Fleming's book really looks at his entire life and all of the influences that led him to doing the first uh, flight from New York City to Paris about um, his baby's kidnapping. And all through it, the big through line is how Charles Lindbergh was really sort of the first celebrity in American pop culture and how this sort of celebrity allowed him to get involved in politics uh, where he had like no place in being and for anybody listening uh, Fleming's book addresses the fact that uh, he believed in eugenics and that he was a Nazi sympathizer like this this book is not like yay he's a hero rather it's like here yeah yeah no not at all um it's very much a like here is a very complicated man he did some great things but also like Oh boy, some really terrible thoughts and and behaviors. Um, and he had a big influence in World War II in a way I hadn't known before. Um, and all throughout, it's super compelling. Uh, Fleming's style is very narrative. So like you sit down and it feels feels like you're reading fiction, even though you are not reading fiction. Um, it's well done. It's really compelling. And there are great photos inside it as well. Um, I'm always hesitant to be like, oh, I'm going to read a biography about a white dude, especially a white dude who is so problematic. But that is exactly the whole point of the book is is examining these beliefs about somebody who many thought was a hero and um, just how complicated he really and truly was. Um, and that's The Rise and Fall of Charles Lindbergh by Candace Fleming. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah. When you were talking about it and getting into it, I'm like, I was, ma- I was making that like <laughs> grimace emoji face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you said it, they dig into all the problems. Oh, yeah. Stuff, so that's oh, good, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, uh, cause like, you know, one of my favorite movies and soundtracks ever is The Greatest Showman. But mm-hmm. every time I, I listen to it, I'm like, oh man, but he's a garbage person, you know? <laughs> so. Interesting you bring that up. Um, my first experience with Candace Fleming's books was she wrote a P.T. Barnum book. Oh, and, really? Yeah. Um, and I want to say it's called like The Great and Only Barnum or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, same thing. She she goes deep into like, here's some good things he did, but also like garbage person. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah. now we have two recommendations. I'll mm-hmm. Check that. Um, so for mine, for YA nonfiction, uh, I want to bring up Queer There and Everywhere by Sarah Prager. Um, this is a backlist title from 2017. Uh, about nearly two dozen icons from history, some of who you might know and some that you might not, who uh, blazed a trail and made their mark. Uh, this particular book like, inspired me to want to work on more YA nonfiction in my agent life, uh, so I recommend it all the time. Uh, there are these great illustrations and just really awesome, just like mini essays about some uh, some very important people that um, you know, might have been overlooked in uh, in your history books, and that's uh, queer there and everywhere. Task two of the Read Harder Challenge is read a retelling of a classic of the canon, fairy tale, or myth by an author of color. And 
there's so many books I could have picked for this one. I know. <laughs> which is great. Like, it is awesome that YA has so many to choose from. Um, obviously, this can be explored so many different ways. But uh, I picked, actually, what I wrote down on my notes is anything by Anna Marie Mecklemore, yes. which they hear perfectly. But I'm going to uh, specifically recommend their Blanca and Roja, which is a retelling of Snow White and Rose Red. It's a really love, lovely and lush and lyrical fairy tale about sisterly love and the lengths that sisters will go to to show their love for one another. Relationships might come between them, but they always return to each other, even if not in the same form they anticipate that that reunion will occur. Uh, this one has two Latina main characters, and it digs into gender and into race, and about what it is um, and isn't to be passing and acceptable. There is also a uh, non-binary main character, and I need to mention the cover is really rad. Um, the first time I saw it, I didn't get it. I was like, okay, this is, like, I can't figure out what's going on here. And then when you look closely, you see that it's two intertwined swans, and it's really clever. Oh, yes. Their books are amazing. Um, let's see. For me, I'm going to recommend uh, Pride by E.B. Zaboy. Um, it's a remix of Pride and Prejudice set in Brooklyn. Uh, and the paperback just came out uh, and is absolutely gorgeous. It has the same cover, but has one of those, uh, you know, it's like when the cover is like a little shorter than the actual book. So when you flip it, there's just like all the praise mm -hmm. and all the different colors and everything. Uh, it's beautiful. You'll want it on your bookshelf. Um, and it's a, you know, retelling of Pride and Prejudice. Task three for Read Harder is read a mystery where the victim or victims is not a woman. And, uh, weirdly, as somebody who doesn't read a lot of mysteries, I could think of a few. Um, but there were a couple I wanted to talk about and then I started having second thoughts like, wait. Was the victim a woman? I don't remember. Um, and when you start to like look through reviews to try and get the spoilers, you don't get them. Um, you know, <laughs> people, people are good at not spoiling those things. Um, but also, I think it's testament to like how common it is that you start then second guessing your thoughts about it. Like, oh wait, maybe it was. Maybe there was a woman who was involved um, in this in a tragic way. But um, I came up with one that I wanted to talk about, and it's Gentleman by Michael Northrup and. I will say it's been a long time since I read this one, so consider it a backlist recommendation. And I remember this being especially good for younger YA readers. And I'm just going to read the blurb because, again, it's been so long, I don't remember it perfectly. Gentlemen is what their remedial English teacher, Mr. Haberman, calls Tommy, Mixer, Bones, and Michael, even though they're far from gentlemen. They're from the wrong side of the tracks, just a bit scary. When one of the boys goes missing, it becomes eerily obvious that one person is responsible, and all signs point to Mr. Haberman. That is Gentleman by Michael Northrup. Yeah, you know, I'm a bit embarrassed here that I had a hard time with this one. Like, I was thinking about uh, all the different YA mysteries that I've read and loved, and yeah, all, all <laughs> of them, the victim is a woman. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go with your recommendation. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's literally all of them. Yeah. And it's it's so common that you start thinking like, oh, I know a bunch. And then suddenly you're like, oh, I don't know any. Yeah. Or I know one. Or I think I know one, but now I don't remember. And yeah, it's it's a fascinating, like, that's part of why this task showed up is it's so common to see that over and over again. The next task, task four, is read a graphic memoir. And my pick is Almost American Girl by Robin Ha, uh, which just came out. Mm -hmm. Actually comes out the week that this episode comes out, um, so you can grab it. 
Uh, Growing up in Korea, Robin knew being raised by a single mother and not knowing her father made her family one that bucked a lot of Korean cultural norms. She'd had friends, but always felt a bit like an outsider for not fitting into these, these cultural standards. So when Robin's mother moves them to Alabama and marries a man she just met, Robin finds herself even more of an outsider, and she struggles to learn English and acclimate into a new step family, as well as uh, with peers who are nothing like her. Um, obviously moving from Korea to small town Alabama, big culture shock. Um, so she turns to comics for some relief, but even that doesn't help her fit in as much as she hoped to. But, uh, when things go sour in her mother's new marriage, Robin's life is again upended, this time moving to Virginia, where Robin is exposed to an incredible array of diverse students in her new school, including fellow Koreans, and she discovers that being Korean American is exactly uh, who she is and what her identity is. It's a really immersive and well-paced graphic novel um, about those really painful moments of middle school and high school uh, with the challenges of being an English language learner, uh, a teen of color, and an immigrant uh, on top of that. It's a story that I think will resonate with so many readers. And that is Almost American Girl by Robin Haw. Nice. I I was surprised you didn't pick Relish by Lucy uh, Kingsley. I feel like that's one of your, uh, maybe it's one of our go-tos, one of mine. I don't know. We're just blending together now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, So my recommendation here is um, uh, maybe Honor Girl by Maggie Thrash. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about a teen girl who returns to a sleepaway camp she's gone to every single year. Uh, It's an all-girl camp, and suddenly uh, she finds herself caught up with with some feelings for a counselor. Um, Yeah, I haven't read this one yet i have it on my bookshelf but uh <laughs> it's one of those ones that like keeps staring at me because i know i'm supposed to have read this one already uh <laughs> and that is uh honor girl by maggie threat task five is one i think eric and i can excel at yes. and it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's read a book about a natural disaster and i was like hmm, i can pick so many titles for this one but i'm gonna go with a ya nonfiction book and it's called a storm too soon by michael togius I didn't think that this would be a book I'd finish, let alone one that I sped through. Mm-hmm. But um, Togaius tells a really compelling story about three men who attempted to sail the Gulf Stream and the tragedy of hitting one of the worst storms imaginable despite all of their preparations. Um, it's really fast-paced, it's engaging, and it just has enough personal history about the men and their experience to keep me going without like getting too bogged down in any details. Um, it reminded me a lot of a really well-written adventure survival story, except, of course, that it is... 100% real. This really happened. Um, and that is A Storm Too Soon by Michael Togaius. Oh, so this 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 ca- particular category made me sweat a little bit because I feel like I love all of these so much. Um, so one book that's hitting this year that I want to keep an eye on uh, is Aftershocks mm. by Marissa Reichardt. She wrote um, that book Underwater back in 2016, which I really loved. Um, and her next book is about two teens trapped in a laundromat after the quote-unquote big one hits oh. San Francisco. Yeah, so this comes out later this year. Um, I remember seeing the sale and being really, really excited. Um, and as for one you can read now, uh, I'll dig up a backlist rec for this one, and that's uh, Outrun the Moon by Stacey Lee, which is set during uh, the actual big one in 1906 in San Francisco. Uh, task 7, um, because Task 6 is about plays, so it doesn't super fit 
what we're going to talk about. Um, task seven, though, is one that Eric and I can give so many recommendations for. Oh, God. Um, this is read a historical fiction novel not set during World War II. And I immediately went to one I just finished, which is Saving Savannah by Tanya Bolden. And it's about a girl named Savannah in 1919, Washington, D.C. Um, she's super privileged and knows um, – she comes from a wealthy black family, but she's worried that she'll never do anything important or powerful in her life. Uh, her brother just moved to New York City, has a photography studio, and she is finding herself becoming bored by her longtime neighbor and friend. Um, so when she meets this girl who is the daughter of their housekeeper, um, they form a quick bond, and it's through this girl that Savannah finds her way to volunteering at a school on the other side of town that helps less privileged girls gain a solid education. Uh, but because Savannah is so sheltered, um, she doesn't realize just how much danger she's putting herself in at this time period. Again, it's 1919. This is when all the race riots are happening throughout the country. And uh, she comes close to experiencing violence herself. Um, I really love the story because it it takes so much of what many of us think about stories about black people throughout history being sad or tragic and instead gives us this girl who is not sad or tragic. Um, terrible things happen in the story, but she herself, she comes from relative security and, and uh, she knows it too. So it was fascinating to see this character and then put into this um, challenging time to be a black person um, in Washington, D.C. And that is Saving Savannah by Tanya Bolden. All right. And uh, yeah, so historical fiction not set in World War II is interesting because I feel like all of my favorite historical fictions are end up being set there, like like Lindsay Smith and Anne Blankman and Elizabeth Watt. So I, I was uh, I wrestled for a hot minute. Um, and then I remembered uh, maybe we should take a, a sort of hard turn away from war and dive right into serial killers. Um <laughs> So we have, uh, we have Burn Baby Burn by Meg Medina. Um, it's set in 1977, um, during the summer of Sam, in which a teen girl wrestles with crushes, college pressures, wanting to be her own person, you know, while a serial killer is out and about, uh, stalking around, uh, the town. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a non-war one for you, and that's, mm -hmm. uh, Burn Baby Burn by Meg Medina. It's so good. Do you want to hit our second sponsor? I do. Uh, so our second sponsor today is comes from Tortine, the proud publisher of The Light Between Us by Andrew Fakuda. Uh, this Light Between Us is a powerful story set in World War II about unlikely pen pals, a <laughs> Japanese-American boy, uh, and a French-Jewish girl. Uh, this beautiful tale of perseverance and friendship will leave readers mesmerized as they are taken from the desolation of an internment camp in Manazar to the horrors of Auschwitz and the devastation of European battlefields. But nothing can dispel the light between them. Uh, read This Light Between Us by Andrew Fakuda, uh, available wherever books are sold. Speaking of books set during World War II. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, more more serendipitous things lining up on the podcast today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the uh, task eight for the Read Harder Challenge is read an audiobook of poetry. And there are so many options for this oh, one yeah. in YA. And um, without needing to elaborate too much, let me just say that Elizabeth Acevedo performs her own book, The Poet X on audio. So go with that one. 
Yeah, that's that is a good call. There are a lot of good ones lately. Um, and I'll just uh, recommend "A Long Way Down" by Jason Reynolds, which is the first one that sprung to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, task nine is read the last book in a series. And as oh. soon as I saw this task, I was like, as somebody who doesn't read many series, uh, this is a tough one for me. So I'm gonna pass this right over to you, Eric. Yeah, and uh, it's so funny, though, because uh, this kind of feels like an easy one for me to accomplish, because sometimes I avoid the last books, because I'm, like, not ready to say goodbye yet. Like, what happens if the characters I ship don't get together? What kind of meltdown am I going to have? Um, <laughs> but uh, really, like, when I, when I think about, like, last books in a series and the ones that I like the most, um, I'd recommend Ruse by Cindy Pond, because it's a uh, duology. It's a sequel to, to, to Want, so if you want to, um, you know rip through that series really quick, you can. Um, Firestarter, the last book in the Timekeeper trilogy, was just absolutely excellent. Um, and I, everyone knows I love those books. Um, and Our Dark Duet, the last book in Victoria Schwab's duology um, with this savage song, awesome final book. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so yeah, if you haven't finished those series, I would pick, uh, I'd pick up all of them. Task 10 is read a book that takes place in a rural setting. And I was so excited about this one because this is my jam. I love these books. Um, So I was like, hmm, what am I going to talk about? So many options. I'm going with Orpheus Girl by Bryn Rebel Henry. And it's a queer retelling of Orpheus following a girl named Rhea who lives with her grandmother in a small conservative Texas town in the early 2000s. She is in love with a girl named Sarah and they've been caught together being intimate and... Well, Sarah and Rhea are then sent to a re-education camp that's meant to help them change from being lesbian to being straight. Uh, Rhea is hoping, though, to bust her, Sarah, and fellow quote-unquote campers out. But after stealing a bus and crashing it, she and Sarah end up in a new level of therapy at the center, which is shock therapy. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a painful read, but also one of such love and desperation between these two girls. Um, and it's super lyrical. It was described as um, the bell jar meets David Levithan. And when I read that pitch, I was like, what could that possibly mean? But, oh, it's the perfect description for this one. Um, and that is Orpheus Girl by Bryn Rebel Henry. Nice. Um, so I'm just going to name some authors for this one. Because um, I feel like you could really just pick up any book by Courtney Stevens, um, particularly Dress Codes for Small Towns. Or Sarah Nicole Lemon's books, mm-hmm. if you're digging into this. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd, either of those two authors, you will be in good shape. Task 11 is read a debut novel by a queer author. And again, so many great options for this one. I know. Especially this year. Oh, my yeah. goodness. There's a If our readers haven't seen it, there's a book riot list. Uh, what was it? It was like 50 Y novels coming out this year with like, Queer female female relationships, yeah. It's like that's a very specific list, and the fact they're over fifty is amazing. 50. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, my pick for this one is one that came out last year, and it's "I Wish You All the Best" by Mason Deaver, and it's about a boy named Ben who comes out to their parents as non-binary, and they're kicked out of their house. Being unsure what to do, Ben chooses to reconnect with their sister, who left home 10 years earlier and hasn't been in contact since. She takes Ben in and helps Ben connect with who they are, as well as the history of this sort of uh, close-minded behavior in their family. At heart, it's a romance, and it works out really, really well. Uh, 
Ben is non-binary and their partner determines that he is bisexual later in the book. And along the way, we see Ben work with a counselor about their experiences with their parents, navigate who they can and cannot tell about their identity, come out in multiple situations, and find passion and confidence to be the artist that they really are. Um, I love this book. And it's a debut. And that is I Wish You All the Best by Mason Deaver. All right. My pick. Uh, for this one is one that's coming out later this year that I haven't been able to stop screaming about, and that is <laughs> Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. Uh, trans teen is trying to prove to his family that he's a real brujo, uh, and instead of summoning the ghost of his dead cousin, uh, as a, his sort of, uh, first big challenge, uh, he brings back a mean boy that maybe he ends up being kind of happy he brought back. Maybe there's some, some ghostly swoons going on in this book, uh, and I need it right now. I know it comes out later this summer. That sounds so good. I know. <laughs> uh, task 12 is read a memoir by somebody from a religious tradition or lack of religious tradition that is not your own. And um, this one I could go with anything, really. Uh, but I'm going with a graphic memoir that I just read called I Was There American Dream by Malika Garib. And it's a really fabulous graphic memoir of growing up as the daughter of a Muslim Egyptian father and a Catholic Filipino mother. Um, ultimately, her parents divorce and Malika's father moves back to Egypt. Um, but both their cultural and religious heritages influence Mal Malika's formative years. Uh, she has to navigate a really diverse population in her California high school, which she loves. Um, but she finds herself obsessed with all things white. And this book really digs into how this viewing of and um, exposure to like pop culture that's very, very white influenced her future. Uh, it's really insightful and funny and has a lot of heart. And um, it's a memoir of being the daughter of immigrants that doesn't skimp on being really, really smart with its art. Um, the illustrations are light and they are confined to a color palette of red, white, and blue in a really, really savvy way. Um, it was funny after I finished this one, I was reading some of the reviews and people were like, why do all these people have red hair if they're supposed to have, you know, <laughs> brown skin or black skin? And it's like, that's the point. <laughs> like, yeah. Missed that one a little bit. But uh, yeah, this was wonderful. And that is uh, I Was There American Dream by Malika Garib. Nice. Excellent. I'm going to skip that one because that was an excellent recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> Cheating. <laughs> Kidding. I, I skipped one too. So um, we are going to jump to task 15 because 13 and 14 aren't particularly um, great for YA recommendations. And this task is read a book about climate change. I immediately went to Dry by Neil yes. Schusterman and Jared Schusterman, which is a really compelling climate disaster standalone novel about what happens when the water in Southern California suddenly disappears. Um, this is terrifying. And I, the, the line that continues to stick with me is um, this moment where one of the characters needs to give her dog water and is like, how do you tell the dogs? There's no water for them. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's like, ooh, for some reason that really like nailed the point home. Um, that is Dry by Neil Schusterman and Jared Schusterman. Uh, this was an easy one for me. Uh, Not a Drop to Drink by Mimi McGinnis. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> and it's a duology with a second book that stands on its own. Uh, you could knock out this one and the last book in a series requirement uh, mm. at the same time. Uh, and it's set in a world where, you know, Drought is a very, very big deal, and we have a uh, a girl and her mom 
uh, living in a nice little small house with a lake in the yard that they are protecting with their lives uh, and the people that want to get it. Task 16 is Read a Doorstopper, over 500 pages, <laughs> published after 1950, written by a woman. So there's like a lot of <laughs> a lot of steps on this one. Um, but there are a lot of options in YA. And my recommendation is going to be The Unexpected Everything by Morgan Matson. Um, in part because I haven't talked about her books in a while. And this might be the only one of hers I haven't read because it's so long and intimidating to me. Um, here's a little blurb of that one. Andy had it all planned out. When you are the politician's daughter who's pretty much raised yourself, you learn everything can be planned or spun or both, especially your future. Important internship? Check. Amazing friends? Check. Guys? Check. As long as we're talking no more than three weeks. But that was before the scandal, before having to be in the same house with their dad, before walking an insane number of dogs, and that was before Clark and those few months that might change her whole life. Because here's the thing. If everything's planned out, you can never find the unexpected. And what's the fun in that? Mm -hmm. That is for The Unexpected Everything by Morgan Matson. I forgot that that book is so giant. Mm -hmm. It's like 600 pages. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So for me, uh, I'm a big sucker for those Illuminate books, which are co-written by Amy Kaufman uh, with Jay Kristoff. Uh, not only are they door-stoppingly enormous, um, but it's kind of like cheating. <laughs> um, they're like written with lots of found materials and documents. So I feel like they're really quick reads despite their size. So there's my, there's my like read harder challenge hack for you. Um, and then uh, the astonishing color of after, I, I feel like that's like a 500 page Ooh. book. Isn't it big? It's um, gotta be. Like, I feel like it has to be. It's like one chunky, beautiful book. Uh, and little Brown, you can use that as a blurb if you want, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, task 17. It's kind of going in the opposite direction, uh, and that task is read a science fiction or fantasy novella under 120 pages, and, oh, I struggle with this one. Um, yeah. So I'm going to cheat and go with a slightly longer YA book, because novellas in YA are pretty rare, um, yeah. especially yeah. with genre fiction. So my pick is Last Day on Earth by Cecil Castellucci, which rings it in 160 pages, so over the 120, but still really short. And it's a story about misfits who believe themselves to be aliens, and what they do when given the option to leave planet Earth and begin somewhere anew. Uh, this one hit me really deeply as it wrestles a lot with family and feeling like an outsider, and it wrestles with what either of those things even may mean. That is Last Day on Earth by Cecil Castellucci. Um, so, you know, you were right. You were talking about how there's like not a lot of like novella short stuff in, in genre fiction, and there, there's not, it just doesn't, it's not a thing in YA so much. Um, but I'd maybe treat yourself to some of the short novellas that YA authors have done with places like uh, The Book Smugglers or Tor.com. Uh, a lot of the times they end up being like tie-ins to their they're like full-length novels, but sometimes can stand on their own. Um, I know Roshani Chosky has one with The Book Smugglers. Uh, and there are some really great shorts by Lindsay Smith and Courtney Almadea on, on Tor.com. I think Lindsay's is called Doppel. I, th I think that was the name of it. I thought it was really good. Um, so yeah, head over to those websites and, and look up the novellas on there because I think you'll be surprised. 
for task 19 because task 18 isn't really applicable. Um, read a book by or about a refugee. And I'm actually, I'm going to cheat on this one a little bit. And I'm going to talk about an adult nonfiction book that has super great YA crossover um, because I love this one so much. It's The Newcomers by Helen Thorpe. And it's about Thorpe who spent a year inside a high school English language acquisitions class uh, in Denver where she met students from all over the world and heard the remarkable stories about being refugees, asylum seekers, and immigrants, and throughout the book, she gets to know them intimately and offers them space to really tell their stories in their voices. Um, and it looks, too, at the teachers who have passion in this program for helping students find themselves um, and figure out who they are in this new home. Um, it was so eye-opening and so thoughtful, and I loved hearing all these stories as as difficult as some of these stories were um, to listen to. And that is The Newcomers by Helen Thorpe. That's awesome, Kelly. I'll, uh, yeah, we'll let you take that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, task 21, because task 20 is a middle grade task, uh, and this one is read a book with a main character or pro protagonist with a disability, fiction or nonfiction. Ah, that's a good one. It is a good one. Um I debated between a whole bunch, and I'm going to go with A Time to Dance by Padma Venkatraman, and it's a verse novel following a girl named Veda, who is a classical dance prodigy in India on her way to fame. But she's in an accident that leaves her as a below-knee amputee, and suddenly her life is in a tailspin. Can she dance again? Uh, but she carries onward and starts back at the beginning until she meets Govinda, who helps her reconnect with her life with him and the world around her. This is one for dance fans, and it's set in India, so you get a nice um, setting as well. And yeah. that is A Time to Dance by Padma Venkatraman. Yeah, so I feel like this is the part where I recommend Your Welcome Universe mm -hmm. by uh, Whitney Gardner. The main character is a, a deaf graffiti artist who gets caught up in a bit of a war with another artist in her turf. Uh, and it's just one of my favorite YA novels out there, period. Um, and also I'm going to drop an author I, I was lucky enough to work with in my agent life, and that's uh, Katie Gardner and her book Brave Enough. Um, it's about a teen ballerina who loses her leg to cancer, uh, uh, ties in a little bit to, to what was going on in Padma's book, um, and has to figure out how to navigate uh, her life and goals again. I really love that book. Uh, it has a companion novel coming out later this year. Task 22 is read a horror book by an indie press. And as mm. I was thinking about this one, I was like, it depends how you define indie press. Yeah, um, that's true. So we're going to, we're going to go broad and say that indie press is any press that a publisher is not part of a big conglomerate. So basically anything that's not the big, big five. Um, and then stuff like Scholastic and, um, HMH, which we all know. Um, and so if for no reason other than I can make that definition as I want to, um, I'm going to recommend The Walls Around Us or A Room Away from the Wolves by Nova Rensuma. Both are from Algonquin, which is an indie press, uh, well, independent press. And they're both great, spooky, psychological horror ghost stories. And I know Eric talked about one of these books at length in the last episode of Hey YA, so I won't, I won't go into it anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was really going to say Nova's books. Um... <laughs> So, so one that I have, uh, that, that sprung to mind is that, uh, technically Miss Perkins' Home for Peculiar Children by Ransom <laughs> Riggs is, is horror YA. Uh, and it was actually put out by my old job, Quirk <laughs> Books, who is a indie press here in Philadelphia. Um, so, I mean, you all know what Miss Perkins' Home for Peculiar Children is. You, you know, you know what that book's about. <laughs> um, but yeah, put out by an indie press. So, uh, the, the, geez, I think like the fifth book in the series, <laughs> which is now put out by a major publisher is out right now. So yeah. Lots to catch up on. <laughs>
Task 23 is read an edition of a literary magazine, digital or physical. And like I wrote to myself on the thing, are we both going to say Foreshadow Magazine? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are others, but yeah. There are others. I was going to mention Cricket Magazine, too, which is a really tremendous backlist. And um, so many well-known children's and um, young adult authors have, have written for that one as well. And then the last task is task 24. Read a book in any genre by a native First Nations or indigenous author. And I wanted to highlight one that we didn't talk about when we did our show on this. Um, oh. Yeah, I was like, I could repeat one I did, but no, I'm going to, I'm going to push myself to go for a different one um and it's crazy horse's girlfriend by erica t worth and it's a really tough read uh which follows 16 year old marguerite in a small impoverished colorado town figuring out who she is who it is she wants to be and how to make a life better than the one her parents made for her this one digs into alcoholism teen pregnancy drugs and how to make the best of a life with these things taking up a lot of space without dis- disrespecting her own cultural heritage. Um, it is a challenging read, but it's one that has a really great payoff at the end. And Marguerite is Apache, Chickasaw, and Cherokee. Uh, and that is Crazy Horse's Girlfriend by Erica T. Worth. Yeah, and I feel like when we did this episode, I, I didn't have a, a good list of uh, of reads on this one. So I'm going to leave this one to you. Yeah, Totally. I mean, that's that's an area I think both of us know that we could we could be a little stronger. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we we did it. So whether or not you're taking part in the Read Harder Challenge, hopefully you found something really interesting to read here. Or if you're like either of us, you have a you know new TBR that's 24 books long. <laughs> so many. So many. Thank you all for tuning in this week. If you have any feedback about the show, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. That lets us know how we're doing and helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsor for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram at HeyKellyJensen. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as EricSmithRocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.